Lori Houston's News for the Heart is dedicated to helping you give a voice to your own soul. Our hearts have the power to free us from pain and the struggles that keep us from awakening to our true essence. Join Lori now as we delve into our heart and soul to find the path that will open us to the possibilities and lead us to the life we love to live. Hey, good afternoon. This is News for the Heart. I'm very excited today because I have one of my old co-hosts coming back and we're starting again and I'm so excited to have you back, Tom. <laughs> so well, I'm, I'm pleased to be here, Lori. It's always, <laughs> always fun talking with you. It is. And now we don't have to worry about having commercials interrupt us and all the stuff that used to happen on... Um, Sky Radio, so we get to we get to talk the whole time. <laughs> uh, good, that's much better, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's. Well, Tom has been doing a series of YouTube videos, and I've been honored to be a guest on the last two. And one of the topics we talked about in the last one, which I assume will probably be up in a week or so. Um. I would hope so. Okay. I don't. I don't think it should take too long. Okay. Um, was was about the stories we create and how we can kind of get stuck in it. So I thought, um, if we could, to kind of talk about the consciousness of you know what these stories are. Why do they stick so much? I mean, it's partly because you know we add to the story. It's all perception. There's rarely any truth. This is why a hundred people can see the same thing and have a hundred different versions of what their story was, of what they saw. Yet people tend to get really stuck. And I've, you know, I've had my own where I have added to my story and elaborated my story. And, you know, often what happens is, you know, while I work with clients, I see the same pattern that repeats itself <clears throat> And my goal is to help them see that this is just an elaborate story you've created. But if we could look at it from consciousness and science as to under, try, try to understand a little bit better how these stories get created. But of course, I am speaking with Thomas Campbell, um, physicist, and he he's, we've done shows now, I think, for about, Six years or so? Yeah, we, we started uh, when I came up to Canada. That's right. <laughs> but I did just call you Tom instead of your full name, so just in case people Tom, don't Tom know. Tom is fun. <laughs> I, I, I actually prefer Tom. That Do you? Works. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, all right, let's, let's explore this topic. Okay, uh, so where do these stories come from, particularly uh, the ones that uh, um, cause us so much dysfunction. Mm -hmm. uh, they come from, um, well, the, the core reason is fear. They are a product of our fear. And when I say fear, I don't, I don't mean, uh, you know, something that, that you know you're afraid of. I'm talking about fears that are more subtle than that. Uh, fear, fears of, of um, not being adequate, fears of not being competent, fears of not being good enough or, you know, likable enough, lovable enough, um, those kinds of things. The fears that you have that you don't know you have. And we all have lots of fear that drives us and creates these stories. 
Now, out of fear come two other things that are kind of born out of the fear, and one of them is ego, which means it's all about us. You know, it's, it's our story. You know, we, we focus on us, and we see ourselves as, you know, the main character, the, uh, you know, both the hero and the, and the uh, well, I don't know what the word is, the, the hero the and not, not the villain, but the... Uh, victim? Yeah, the victim. That's what I'm looking for. The hero and the victim of our own story. So ego takes that fear and, and uh, casts it into a story about poor little us. And the last thing then that's created out of fear that's a big player is belief. The problem with belief is that, that uh, once you have a belief, then you discard any information that doesn't agree with that belief. So once you get your story going and you believe it, then as information comes in that uh, actually points to a bigger picture outside of your story, well, you just either throw that information out or you somehow take that information and twist it to make it fit your story because you have the belief and you don't uh, actually process information that doesn't uh, pass your belief test, if you will, doesn't agree with your belief. So those are the, the elements of, of, uh, of consciousness that are the problem. It's the fear and then the ego and the belief are the problems. And what would you be like if you had no fear or ego or belief? You would be love. Mm -hmm. You see, love isn't something we, that, that we have to, um, you know, uh, what can I say, that we have to create some special techniques and exercises and things we have to do to become love. All we have to do to become love is to let go of the fear and the ego and the belief. So here we are, individuated units of consciousness, and our, our job, our goal is to get rid of the fear. And where does the fear, why do we have the fear? Well, that's, a fear is a, is a measure of dysfunction, if you will. And to be a little more scientific, we can say it's a, it's a measure of entropy, High entropy means um, dysfunction. It means uh, disorder. Whereas the opposite of fear is love, and that is then characterized by low entropy, which means more order. More order. It's not just order, not just that you put all the rocks in a row rather than in a jumble, but it's order that has meaning, order that has content and significance uh, to, to you. So we have this fear. It's the way we are because we are not, you know, we don't start perfect. There would be no, there would be no game to play if everybody started at the end, you know. So we, we start um, and we have fear and our job is to overcome it, outgrow it, become love. So that's, the, that's what we do as consciousness. That's our goal. That's, that's our purpose for being is to let go of that fear. So most of us, though, have a lot of fear. In fact, our life is dominated by our fear. The things we do, the things we like and dislike, the people we like and dislike, our relationships, most everything that we do 
is pushed and pulled and prodded by our fear. So that's what I mean when I say we're driven by our fear. That, that creates, or that I should say at least influences, most of our choices. And what we need to do is first identify the fear, and the way to do that, fears are pretty subtle, as I say, the way to do that is identify the ego. And that's not so hard. The beliefs are a little hard to identify, too, because when you believe something, then, you know, that's just truth. So anything that disagrees with it is not truth, and that makes it hard to discover. But the ego is really easy to see. You, you uh, experience things that are negative. If you experience anything that makes you sad or unhappy or stressed or angry or any of those things that are that are not fun not full of joy you know and and peace those things that uh, kind of rankle us and make us uh, uh, squirm and are not pleasant things we don't like but things we experience every day things aren't the way we want it and that kind of upsets us so those kinds of things every one of them is attached to uh, a fear so you only have those, those negative things because you have ego. If it wasn't about you, then all of these things that aren't the way you want them to be, which is where our negativity feelings come from, those things wouldn't be there. Now, we have this tendency to blame all of, this, all of our bad feelings on somebody else. So-and-so <laughs> makes me angry. So-and-so makes me upset. So-and-so just isn't doing it right. So-and-so was rude to me. Uh, you know, life sucks because, you know, I was born poor and, you know, I have only one good leg and, and uh, you know, so on. So we, we have all of these things that we blame our negative feelings on. And that tries to keep us from actually seeing the truth, which is it's us. We are the person that needs to be blamed. We're the ones we can choose to be angry or choose not to be angry. We can choose to uh, um, feel lesser because we only have one good leg, or we can choose not to feel lesser. You know, we can choose um, to feel good and be very positive about how we interact with things, uh, or we can choose not to. So that's the consciousness view of these stories, is that we are individuated units of consciousness, we're driven by fear. Our job is to get rid of the fear and become love. The fear is, of course, all about us, and it produces ego. And between the fear and the ego and belief, we make up these stories to justify, to, what can I say, can, to, can, to justify our, our ego and the things we want and the things we need. So the stories justify us. The stories tell us that it's not our fault, that uh, mm. somebody else is to blame, that uh, we can't help it, that we're doing the best we can, and that what we're doing is the right thing to do. And our stories are basically there to make us feel better, to kind of whitewash the fear so that we don't notice it, to hide the fear, to sweep it under the rug. So that's what the story's doing. And that's why these stories are so hard to let go of, because in order to let go of them, that fear will come out from under that rug, you see. That fear will start to be something you have to deal with. 
So then we make up another story that pretends that the fear doesn't really exist and it's not pushing us around and everything we're doing is, is just as best as anybody could do it. It's just the outside world and these awful people and the situation and so on. And we just have to struggle and our life is, a, is an unending struggle against these events. And as soon as we get one of them fixed, another one just pops up in its place. And it seems that our life goes on like that. Well, that's because we're hiding from the fear, and the ego's job is to kind of whitewash that fear so uh, we're not so frightened of it and to justify it. And that's what our stories do. They justify and whitewash the fear. They cast the problems as somebody else's. We're the victim. We're doing the best we can, and life is just always a struggle. Well, that's why it's the struggle. You see, we are... Our stories are part of the problem. Our stories are, are what traps us in this unending struggle. We need to let them go and see life the way it is. Just be authentic and accept responsibility for our own choices. If we choose to be upset or angry or feel bad, we have to realize that's our choice. And we're making that choice because there's some ego and fear and belief that, that uh, pushes us to make that choice, and it pushes us that way so that we can escape the fear. So that's, that's kind of it in a, in a nutshell, and you see that all of this is, so, is completely self-referential. So when you make up these stories and begin to live them, they're really hard to escape because they are our security blanket. The story is like, uh, you know, in the Peanuts character, Linus, you know, always had to have the little blanket around, or he felt... Uh, you know, completely lost and uh, started to get anxiety attacks. Well, that's the way we are without our stories. That's why it's so hard to point out a story to someone and get them to see it from the outside, the way you're seeing it, as opposed to from the inside where it is obvious truth that, uh, you know, can't be changed. It's the way it looks from the inside. So it's a very difficult thing to get people to let go of their ego and beliefs and fears and just live a, oh, what can we say, a uh, authentic life, just accepting things as they come and realizing that what's important is how you deal with it. Therefore, we, we stop the, the uh, you know, our, our job isn't to make ourselves feel better and look better <laughs> and to present a better image. Our jobs are to grow up, which means we have to look at things the way they are and take responsibility for our own choices. Nicely said. Hmm. Now that would have been interrupted by at least two commercials. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good thing we don't have any commercials today. <laughs> well, at least one. Okay, so I want to talk... I, Okay, so I totally get it. And is the only way is the only way to get rid of it is to get rid of our ego? Like do we ever really get rid of our ego? Yes, we we do. Now, one thing about fear and ego, of course, is that it's all self-referential. It's all about us. It's concerned with us, what's happening to us and who said what, you know, about us and whether or not we're getting what we need and whether or not others are doing what we know is best for them to do, 
So it, it's all about us, and we can get rid of that as we take responsibility and let go of the fear, and then we find out that it's really not so much about us, that it's about other. It's really about other people. It's not what you can get and how well you can manipulate. It's what can you give and how well can you serve. So it changes your focus about what's at the center, about what's important. And other, that means everybody else. <clears throat> other is really what's important. It's what can you give? How can you help? That's the, that's the key. And as you change from it's all about you to it's about you know, what you can do for others, then, yes, that, you find that your life goes from a struggle to one of joy, to one of satisfaction, and this then feeds on itself. So the more successful you are, the easier it is to be more successful. And, of course, that spiral works just the opposite on the other side. Mm -hmm. You know, the more fear and ego you have, you know, the easier it is to wallow around in more fear and ego. So it's, a, it's one of those things that you have to drag yourself out of by force of will. Um, you have to really want to grow up. And most of us, given a choice of growing up or staying safe, wrapped up in a cocoon of our own you know, fear, our own story, will choose to stay safe because it takes courage to, to break out. It takes courage to uh, let go of the fear. And that's, that's why it's so hard to get people to do that. First, they have to really want to. And you see, you talked about, well, you've, you've, you've uh, caught yourself in stories and things that you've spun around, and you've seen how they've kind of trapped you in that story. But the reason that you could see it from the outside and say, aha, look, this, this is just a story I'm telling. You know, life doesn't have to be like this. I can let that story go and have a bigger picture is because you have a drive, you have a desire to grow up, to let go of that, uh, that fear, let go of that ego and go beyond it. And sadly, most people don't. Most people are just getting by, you know, they're, they're hanging on and uh, it's scary to confront your fear, so they just don't bother. And first you have to have a person who wants to grow up. Otherwise... All you do is come up with little things that help them adjust the fear and see it in little different terms maybe, which gives them a little relief, but eventually it all goes back to the way it was. You don't make any permanent changes. You can make temporary changes by getting them to, to realize that uh, this, this way that you're acting is self-destructive, and they may see that, but then they'll find some other way that's equally self-destructive to act and replace that because they're not really facing their fear. So it's a hard thing to do. And you're in the business of helping people see these fears, of helping people grow up and, and, and more effectively meet the challenges in their life. And it's really a very difficult thing to do unless you have a client that awesome. really wants to grow yeah. up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, mostly they just want you to fix it for them. Oh, definitely. You know? yeah. yeah, just fix it for me. You know, I've got this problem and it hurts. Can you fix it for me? But they don't see that they're part of the problem. So the fixing it isn't really that they have to change. You just need to help them see things differently, you see, in such a way that it doesn't hurt so much anymore. But if they don't change, then they're not really going to 
get anywhere. Even if they get by that particular problem, there's another problem just around the next corner that's going to end up putting them in a very similar place. So that's the problem. Unless they really see it as, I have to change. I have to see things differently. I have to understand this fear in my ego and get rid of it. Then it's really hard to make... uh, to make progress. Yeah. No, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I imagine you do. You probably know better, much better than I do. Well, it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, when they're in it, like when they're really stuck in it, it it's impossible. Like it's, it's not even, it, it's like you have to get them to a place where they're outside of it before they can understand it and you know they just want you to make them feel better right they want you to make them feel better but i mean that story it it makes them so uncomfortable you'd think that you know the more uncomfortable you are the less safe you feel but it's because it's the one that's known it's the it's it's that belief like how do you help people change their beliefs because it's that's the thing that kind of gets stuck in your unconscious or your subconscious or mm-hmm. whatever definition you want to give it. I mean, it's the one that kind of gets, gives the fuel to the story. Right. right. That's because, you know, your belief defines your reality. So if you believe that, you know, whatever it is, if you believe that you're a victim, then you feel like a victim. And if somebody says, well, look, you're not really a victim. You have uh, agency here. You can you know, do this or that or the other. If they believe that they're a victim, then no matter what you tell them, they will see themselves as a victim. So the, the belief defines reality. And the belief is there because it's, it's helping a person deal with a, deal with a fear and, mm. you know, and uh, expressing the ego. So again, of the three, of the fear, belief, and ego, the one that's easiest to spot is the is the ego because that's you know when people come and they tell you about the problem that they're having and then they talk about it it's all about them well of course it would be about them it's their problem right so then they tell you all about them and all the sad you know the sad story and the way it is and and so on and so on but that whole story is very self-referential it's all about me and as long as you are at the center of your universe then you will struggle with these kinds of problems. You have to, you have to uh, see yourself as a part of something larger and that your significance in being a part of something larger is that you get to give something to the whole. You get to help. You get to uh, build, construct, um, make things better. You know, you get to give. And that's the you see yourself in that sense, then you're no longer the center of your own universe. And if you're not the center of your own universe, then it's impossible to be a victim. So even if people treat you badly, you see, you can react to that in a way that's positive. So it's, it's a tough thing, but that's, that's the, that's the story. We all, you know, we have our stories and we're sticking to them, right? Because (laughs) that's our, you know, that's the way we define reality. And we really have to see reality in a different way. And to do that, we have to change. We have to be in a different way. 
It's not just a matter of the intellect. That's another part of it. You can intellectually convince people of all sorts of things. Show them the error of their ways. Show them what the things they're doing is creating a problem. And if you are successful in getting their intellect to agree with you, it still doesn't help much because... You know, we are, you know, we are not our intellect. You know, we exist as a whole person at the being level, and that's who we are. And it's nice if the intellect can lead us to someplace better, but we actually have to change at the being level. Our intellect can't, you know, can't give us any, any wisdom. That wisdom has to develop at the being level. It has to be ours. It has to be an expression of us. That intellect is often just an expression of our ego, an expression of our image of who we think we are, of how we see ourselves. That intellect is often just a, you know, it's the storyteller. You know, talking about our stories, the intellect turns, you know, is is the storyteller. It makes up the story to make us feel better, to make us uh, feel less threatened by our fears. Yeah. One person that I've been interviewing recently, I mean, he calls it the thinking mind. And, you know, the thinking mind is almost on 24-7. It's like we have to find a way to get out of our thoughts so that we can be. Because as long as we're caught up in our thoughts and our thinking mind, that we're just, we're not, we're not able to see from the bigger picture. We're not able to see from the fact that it's not all about us. Yes, and, and you know, that confuses people. Though. Yeah. They say, well, if I, can't, if I can't think, then, you know, what am I going to do? <laughs> right? I mean, thinking is, is, is what I am. You know, I, I am, you know, my intellect. And a lot of people then have a, have a problem with that. If I can't think, then I, I don't have any agency. To, I can't do anything. Well, it's not thinking that's really the problem. It's the, it's the intellect in service of fear is the problem. When the intellect is in the service of the fear, then that's this intellectual level we're talking about. And it doesn't have to be in the service of the fear. You can have cognitive function. You can have thinking, if you will, directly at the being level. But that's not then in service of fear. Well, now that's probably confusing too. (laughs) Yes, you have fear and other things at the being level. Who you are and what you are at the core does contain some fear. Mm. But as long as you're thinking, as long as your, your cognitive function is in response to that fear, then it's not helpful. You see, once you get rid of the fear, you can still think. It's like, well, when you get rid of the fear, you know, all your thoughts go away. No, you can still think. You can still analyze, you can still uh, look at things and, and uh, be rational, but not in the service of fear. That thinking becomes a product of the being level. It's just you. It's your thoughts. It's not your thinking in terms of the fear. So at that point, we don't have an, when we get rid of that fear, we don't have an intellectual level and a being level. We just have a being level. Mm. See? So we live then authentically we just are who we are we're authentic we live at the being level we don't have this uh this fear and intellect making stories for us to believe we don't we let go of all of that so when you get rid of the fear you become love and it's no longer about you at all it's about other 
and you still can think, you still have this cognitive function, but it's not in the service of your fear and ego. It's in the service of your love. So it's not that you can't process information, that you have no cognitive level. It's not that you can't think. It's just that for most people, for the great majority of humans, for the 99.99999% of us, most of what our intellect does is in the service of fear and ego. So that's why you kind of generalize and say, well, it's this, you know, it's this intellectual level that's getting in your way. That's just a generalization because that's true for almost everybody. But once you get rid of the fear, that's not true anymore. You still have this intellectual level if you want, but it's no longer in the service of the, of the ego and fear. It's in the service of a love, and it's not a problem at all. Then your thinking is, is, uh, you know, just keeps you rational, keeps you on target, keeps you effective, uh, rather than it being in the service of fear. Okay, now, the, the average person has a little bit of both. The average person has some of its intellect works out of the being level and is not tied to the fear and ego, but most of it is. So it's not a matter of 100% one way or the other, is that we have components of love in us. We have caring. We, we, uh, we do think about other. That's a part of us. But there's an even larger part of us that's dominated by fear, by our ego, and by our stories. So we're a mixture of both. Some of our cognitive function is in the service of fear, and some of it is not. So, you know, that's the way we are. So it's a little more... Um, complicated than you know the simple stories that we tell when I say yeah that intellectual level you know you need to get rid of that well that's not really true what you need to get rid of is the fear and the ego and then that intellect would be in the service of love and it's just a wonderful thing to have so it's not the intellect that's the problem it's the it's the intellect servicing fear that's, fear. that is the problem but since that dominates most everyone that's the that's the 80 or 90% of most everyone, then we tend to just talk in those general terms and it confuses people. So let's try to sort that out a little bit. So the intellect's a good thing. The intellect in the service of fear is not helpful at all. You see, the intellect can't... When the intellect works on its own without really being connected at the being level to the real person... It becomes your image. Let's say you can read a book about some spiritual thing, you know, about how to be loved. You can read this book and you can memorize the book and you can quote every, you know, important thing in it. And you sound really learned and highly evolved and and, uh, spiritual and so on. But if all of that's in your intellect, then it hasn't changed you one bit and you haven't grown up at all. You're still the same person. You can just tell you know, you can just sound like you're grown up, but that's sounding like you're grown up and being grown up are two different things. So that's the difference. When the intellect's at the being level and in the service of love, then it's expressing what the being is, not what the being's image is. Right. So as we understand things intellectually, we have to take that on at the being level and become it. We have to become the, the information. We have to express 
that information that we got about becoming love, not just talk about it. You see, it's uh, what do they say? You have to walk the talk, right? <laughs> it's that sort of thing. So that's the difference between the intellectual level that's yammering on, you know, about all the things it knows, and it's yammering on trying to uh, hide the fear. But if it if the person at the being level isn't growing and changing, then nothing happens. You just sound more and more clever, and you sound more and more grown up, but you aren't really if you're not becoming love. And the only way to do that is to be is to let go of that fear and ego and belief. And I guess probably the biggest problem is what our definition of love is. Like when we as children, you know, we have very, <laughs> very messed up definitions of what love is because we had to make a belief around what love is based on how we were brought up or based on how our interactions with were, were with other people. And often, you know, what we think love is, is not even close. And, you know, we're always... You mentioned, you know, that image, like we're always trying to hold up an image, which is whatever it is, it's, you know, that I'm likable, that I'm lovable, that, but because this likable and lovable is actually really based on fear, it really messes up what we think love is. Yes, that's true. And when you think you know, when you're thinking about love, um, most of us, of course, confuse love with need. Yes. You know, we, we fall in need. We have these needs. We're children. And getting your needs met, you know, becomes love. Uh, you know, somebody brings you presents. Well, then getting presents is love. Um, you know, my, my parents don't beat me. You know, that must be love, you know. Uh, or my we, parents do beat me, and that's or, love. <laughs> right, or my parents do beat me, and that's, that must be love. Because uh, anyway, yes, yeah. we, we, uh, we think about, but all of those are focused on, on the self. They all see themselves. It's all still about me. You know, my parents beat me. You know, uh, my, you know I get presents. Um, you know, I get nice things. People are nice to me. People make me feel good. And all of this is still about you, you feeling good, you getting beaten, you know, you getting presents. It's all you-centered. You see, it's all about your needs and how it makes you feel. Well, if it's all about you, then it's not love. That's how we can come up with very strange ideas of what love is. You know, uh, uh, two uh, young people uh, who are teenagers and full of hormones, you know, see each other and they immediately fall in love. Well, they probably fall in need or fall in lust or fall in something, but it's probably not love. And they're mostly not thinking about them, you know, about each other and what they can give. They're thinking about what they can get and what it'll mean to them and how this is going to work for them and meet their needs, you see. So that's not love. Love has to be about other you give love. Yeah, but the, the, the problem also with that, and this is more a female thing than a male thing, is that women are always thinking about giving, but they're thinking about giving because of fear. They're thinking about giving 
I'll make it all about you and sacrifice everything for you because they're afraid that if they don't, they'll lose the person. So it's still, it's giving, but it's, it's giving yes, from fear. This, yeah, exactly. You <laughs> see, it's coming from fear. That's like um, if you uh, are walking down the street and you see somebody, uh, you know, drop a $20 bill out of their pocket. They reach in and they pull out something out of their pocket and a $20 bill falls out on the street. Now, you, you know, you can have two different attitudes that will have the exact same result. You can look at it and say, oh, this person lost this money. It belongs to them and, try and get it and give it back to them. Or you could look around and see that people are noticing. People saw that too and they see you. And if you just grab it and run or grab it and stick it in your pocket and don't say anything, yes, you'll have $20, but everybody's going to see that you just stole it and you ripped off that $20, and that makes you feel guilty. Or maybe somebody that you know is watching, so you pick it up and you give it back to them. Well, one was because of your caring at the bean level. It just was the right thing to do, so you did it. The other one was because of fear. Right. You gave that back because you were afraid, you know, that uh, you'd get caught uh, stealing. Other people would see it. So one of them's fear-based and one of them is not. You have the exact same results. So people can give and have giving on their, on their mind and their intent, but it can be fear-based. That's the wrong reason. You don't give because you're afraid. You don't give the money back because you're afraid. You have to give the money back because it's right. And you give because you want to. It has to be a, a gift. You know, it's, otherwise, it's not really a gift. It's a payment. You know, if, you're, if you're giving something to somebody, but it's not really because you want to. It's because you feel you need to. Well, you're, it's like you're, you're making a payment. <laughs> it's not uh, the same. You have to do it because it's the way you feel it. It's you. It's what you want to do. It's a gift. And love only requires one person. You see, you give. You don't need a, you know, you care. It's not, uh, if it's, uh, I'll do this for you if you do that for me. Well, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you everything and do whatever you want as long as you take care of me and, and you know, give me these things. Then that's not love. That's a bargain. That's a, that's a trade. You know, that's a payment for services rendered. So that's, the, that's the, the difference between those. One of them is uh, basically the intellect doing what it thinks it needs to do to uh, uh, you know, deal with the fear. And the other one is doing what you know is right. And what's, you know, when you just do things that are right, well, sometimes there's risk involved in that. But that's okay. You see, it's not about what you're going to get. So if you just give and nothing comes back, that's okay. Because it's not a problem. It's not really about you. It's about your giving. And you can feel really good about that. And the fact that you didn't get, you don't even think about that because that wasn't part of why you were giving in the first place. So you see, it, it takes care of itself. But it's scary, you see. People don't want to to do that because they're not really focused on what they can give. They're focused on what they can get. What do I have to give in order to get what I need, what I want, the security I want? 
Okay, so this the lady who gives herself up to a guy, she's expecting, yeah. you know, this guy then to do certain things because of that, that he's going to take care of her, he's not going to abuse her, he's going to be, uh, um, you know, committed to her, and and so on. So she's trading, and that's not love. It's so messy. <laughs> yeah well it's difficult because we have all these fears if we didn't have the fear then it wouldn't be messy at all it'd be perfectly clear it's only messy because we come from from fear and from need and that makes our whole life messy and it also guarantees us a life full of continual struggle and dissatisfaction and you know unhappiness all those things go together wonder what it's like to have no fear. I, I, it's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it seems like it should be something that's very simple. And when you talk about it, it feels easy or simple. But it's, the challenge is to even recognize the fears. I, I guess I liked what you said in the beginning that, that, you know, the only thing we can really see for certain is our ego when our ego's, you know, involved, we know that one, there's fear and there's a belief, but that that's, if we could focus on that, it would make things so much simpler. Um, but that, you know, these fears, I mean, they're, it's like they're ingrained. They're ingrained from a personal level. They're ingrained from like the collective unconscious level. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine what a world would be like without fear. Yes, it it is. Because when you have a lot of fear, you can't see it any other way. Right. But if you've known people, if you've ever known anyone or known of anyone who is just generally very positive, life is always good. And for some reason they don't have, they don't live in a struggle. They, they live in a place that's, satisfying and uh, they're not struggling you mean the authentic people that actually yeah. <laughs> right because there's the lots authentic... of people that play that they have you know the perfect right. life <laughs> the, the people who are authentically like this now there'll be a, there'll be more of them who are pretending yes to be like this but we're i'm talking about authentic people who are really like this and you may meet some of them once in a while. There's not a lot of them around because, like I say, most, you know, I said the 99.999% of us are wallowing around in our, in our fear. And, but there are some who are not, and generally they smile a lot and are happy, and they're very genuine, and they're also very helpful. They're the kind of person who will stop what they're doing to, you know, to help you, to give you something that's of value. They're, they're, uh, they're the kind of people that you just like being around. When you're around them, you know, it just feels nice just to be in the company of somebody like that. Because in general, we're in the company of other people who are also being driven by their fears and needs. And it's a matter of somehow having to negotiate our fears and needs, you know, with their fears and needs and, <laughs> and, uh, and get through this world. You know, that's why it's always a struggle. Right. But just you can live without fear. And we do get it from very early ages because we we begin, you know, our life often in our culture, particularly with insecurity. 
And the reason that we're so insecure is because everybody else in our life, it's all about them. Well, so for us to, you know, for us to get along somehow and, and, uh, and get what we need, you know, it has to all be all about us. Because, you know, if nobody's, if you're not looking out for number one, you know, nobody else is either. You know, we kind of have that, that uh, idea. So that, that beginning of insecurity uh, is, the, is the start of generating these fears and stories. And then as you grow, the stories just get bigger and more elaborate. But it is a thing. It is a hard thing to to get over or to to get out of is all the the fear ego belief cycle. But it can be done if you just focus on those those that the ego, the negative feeling. All right, this upsets me. This makes me feel anxious. Well, why? Why does it make you feel anxious? And trace it back, and you'll find a fear. And the good news is that most of those fears are just paper tigers. They're not real tigers. They're not really going to bite you. They're just paper tigers. They're smoke and mirrors. There's nothing there. And when you get to that fear and you get enough courage to just say, all right, I'm going to, you know, let this go. I'll accept the terrible thing that I know is going to happen to me, you know, if I, if I don't act with my... Uh, you know, intellect to, to help keep this fear away. If I just accept that fear and accept the awful things that are going to happen, you'll find no awful things happen at all. It was just all in your imagination. It was all part of your story. It wasn't real. It was just part of your story. And then it just disappears. It goes up like smoke and you're done with it. Now you don't have that fear, but it takes the courage to deal with it, to accept it and and go on and that's more courage than most people are willing to put up because they don't really realize that that uh, they're in this this problem of creating all these problems for themselves their stories their their uh, the way they see reality the way they interpret reality is all based on their fears and if they could let go of those fears then everything would be so much better it would be so much happier and satisfying and yes, there'd be some, you know, there may have to be some shakeout as you make that transition. There'd be some things that would work better in your life and some things that were working okay may have to fall away. There may be some transition in your life, but it transitions to a place of a very positive place rather than struggling in a very negative place. So those are good transitions to have to get through. So yes, you can live without fear, and some people do, and uh, those are generally very happy people. And really, like the bottom line of living without fear is taking the focus off of you. It's it's then shifting it over to others so that it's not about what we need, but what we can gift. Yes. And if you do that, that takes, see, that takes a lot of the sting out of it right away. Well, if I act like this, then I'm not going to get what I want. You know, the only reason I get what I want is I'm making payments on that by doing <laughs> what they want, you see. And right. when, you, when you are in that kind of a, a problem, uh, it's, a, it's always a struggle. You're never able just to be yourself. You always have to make the payment in order to get your own needs covered. But when it's about somebody else, then whatever comes back to you, just pretty much irrelevant. You'll just deal with it. Whatever it is, you won't have this. Your needs kind of evaporate. 
you see, because it's not about you. It's not about your needs. And if your needs evaporate, then you don't have to make payments in order to get those needs met, you see, because you really don't have needs like that. You don't have to be, uh, no, you don't have to have these things that other people have to do for you or be for you or think about you. You're self-sufficient. You just, you just give. So that's why being in the, in the mode of gifting, of giving, kind of helps the whole process because you're not in the, in the mode of I want, I need, I have to have. This is absolutely necessary for my, you know, for my existence that I get this because that's all about you. So when you give up the, the fear, you also, all those needs evaporate. So how are you going to be unhappy because your needs aren't met if you don't have needs to be met. And you find out that the, that the real needs you have are easily met because they're the needs to help, you know, the need to give, the need to, uh, <clears throat> you know, to uh, uh, help someone else. And that's an easy need to satisfy. No one else can take that need away from you. It's not like you're dependent on somebody else to have that need met. <laughs> Now you see you're in charge of all those needs you have. You can meet them easily yourself. You're not uh, dependent. And you find out now when you give to a relationship, that relationship has a chance of getting better. Now maybe the person in your relationship, you know, doesn't have much capacity to love. And in that case, you either have to just accept that and and, uh, deal with it uh, gracefully, or you need to find other people to be in your life that have a larger capacity to love. Yeah. It's an interesting thought that you could be in a, you could be happy just giving regardless of what the other person's able or unable to, to give you. Right. If you don't have the ego and the fear, that's an easy thing to do. It's only the ego and fear that makes that a difficult thing to do. But what you find out, see, people now who are fearful would say, all right, let me imagine that. I'm just giving. A fearful person, when they contemplate that, right away says, oh, I'm going to be taken advantage of. If I'm just giving, you know, and I'm not looking out for number one, then all these other people are going to be taking advantage of me. They're just going to be using me. So the fearful person you know, sees that as a, as a scary thing to do. But you just have to let that fear go and say, well, if that's what happens, I'll deal with it when it happens. And if that happens, then I'll sort those people out. I'll sort out the people who, who uh, you know, have little to no capacity to love from the people who don't. And I'll hang out with the people who have some capacity to love. Or if the people who don't happen to be people that I'm, you know, connected to, you know, like, uh, you know, children or parents or spouse or something like us, then I'll either deal with it gracefully or I'll maybe have to change that too. So then you deal, then more fears come in. Oh yeah, but I have all, you have all these other fears that come in with that, but you just have to say, well, I'm just going to be authentic. I'm going to be me. I'm going to give because that's really what I want to do. And I will sort everything out as it happens according to that. And then a year or so later, after you've sorted everything out, you're one of those happy people smiling on the inside all the time because life is wonderful. And probably 
the relationship is fine because you're not worried. You're not, you're not in a reaction mode at any point. You're just giving. So that they may have their own issues that they have to deal with. But as long as you're not in a reaction mode, it's not going to affect you. Exactly. It's not. The only way it affects you is if it snags your ego. Oh, that's unfair. I give all of this and you don't give me that. You see, well, now you've gone right back into that, you know, I need and that fear and I'm not getting everything that I deserve sort of thing. Well, that's just ego and fear and so on. And so if you really get rid of that ego and fear, then you don't have any of those negative reactions to things. Mm-hmm. You just choose to be happy. Yeah. And it, it works. And what you find is that things start to work for you. Not only do your relationships get better because you find out that the struggle creates more struggle. When you're struggling to get your needs met, somebody else is on the other side of that struggle and they have to struggle with you to get their needs met. And you have this, this struggle going on between you which, which, which makes the relationship poor, makes the relationship problematical. When you stop struggling because you don't really care about what you get, you're just giving to that relationship, well, that relationship will start to settle down and that other person now doesn't feel they're pulled at because you have needs and uh, actually you're being really nice to them, you know, giving them things and if they have any capacity to love at all, they'll want to be able to deserve that kind of treatment. And suddenly they'll see that maybe they need to kind of straighten up their act and do better too. Otherwise, uh, this wonderful person they happen to be in a relationship with may just move on. So I, they feel like they have to now be worthy of that sort of treatment. So they start doing better. And it starts becoming more about other for them as well, you see. So it's not just that everything is going to go to hell in a handbasket <laughs> if you make these changes. Everything generally just gets better. Yeah. But we, people who are fearful can't see that. All they see is what could go wrong. And they don't have any sense of how it could go right because they've never actually been there and done that. That's a, that's a different place, this place of giving and place of love. And, you know, thing, places you've never been are a little scary. You've been in this need place. All right, that's, that's rough and it's a struggle, but, hey, I'm getting by. You know, things are okay. I've, I've made accommodations with my environment and I'm, I'm okay here. What if, what if I do this other thing and I'm not okay? You see, so it's that, that's just more fear. Fear keeps you from finding the solution, keeps you from actualizing the solution. You just have to let go of that fear. And don't try to let go of it all at once. You have to find something. Find one of those things that make, gives you anxiety or makes you upset and just deal with that. Find that fear and then find the next one and work at it a little bit of time. And over some years, you'll become a different person. Wow. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, talking about it and doing it are two different things all together. This is back to the intellect and the being level. You know, we got we got it at the intellectual level. All right. I see. I see the theory. But uh, making that theory a practice from and not a practice out of the intellect, not a pretending. All right. I'm going to pretend here and see how it goes. You know, I'm going to pretend I'm going to give a little bit here and not be so uh, needy, and uh, that's not going to work. You have to actually change. You have to be a different person. It has to be something you do because it's you. It's authentic. It's the way you are. And to do that, you have to get rid of the fear. 
So it does seem like a chicken and an egg. You know, I can see if, if I'm there, it's going to be really wonderful. But how do I, how do I get there? From there to there. Well, yeah. yeah, just one step at a time. Just beat one small fear at a time. And what will happen is once you start finding these fears that are driving your choices in life, you'll realize suddenly that you have, you know, you have more fears than you ever thought you had. You will find that, that uh, you know, I have people tell me this, you know, particularly young guys. They'll start out and they'll say, well, you know, I don't have any beliefs that I know of and I don't have any fears either. You know, I don't have any of that stuff, but my life still sucks. <laughs> and, you know, I say, well, you know, you find something that, that sucks. Find something that doesn't feel good and you'll trace it back to a fear. And then I talk with them uh, six months later and they'll say, my God, I found out that my whole life is driven by my fears. Matter of fact, I don't have anything but fear. You know? I don't make any choices that aren't fear. I'm totally consumed by fear. And if they don't get overwhelmed by that and they say, well, I'm going to start working away at them one at a time. Then I hear back from them that life is better. They're a different person. Their relationships are better. Their job, their work is better. Everything is better in their life. And uh, it's made a real big difference. So that's typically the process one goes through. One, one thinks that, well, I may have a fear or two. You know, let me find it. <laughs> then you'll find out you're, you're actually animated you know, by your fears. It's like you're the puppet and the fear has its hand up your back and it's making you do all the things you say and do and feel. It's all this fear that is uh, creating this. And then you just have to start getting rid of them one by one and have the courage to do that and have the desire to do it. Again, if you don't have the desire to do this, then it's not going to happen. You really have to want to do it. But right. that's the key, and that's why things don't work. That's why we have these stories. That's why people live in a struggle all the time. It's why they're unhappy. It's why they, uh, their relationships are, are a struggle. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it all boils down to the simple thing about fear and love. We are fear to a large extent, and we need to become love to a large extent. And how to make that transition is what we've been talking about, you know, how to, how to go from one to the other. And the only antidote for fear is courage. You just have to decide, I want to do this. I'll do it, and I'll see what happens, and I'll deal with it as it happens. And your life will no doubt change. Some of your relationships may change. You know, it just may make some significant changes in your life. For most people, the changes aren't that big on the outside. The changes are all on the inside. Right. So it's, uh, it, it doesn't really disrupt lives as much as people might think it does. It just uh, makes them better. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tom. This has been a great conversation. I'm so looking forward to having a monthly discussion with you every every month again, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. So you've been listening to News for the Heart. If you want more information about Tom, go to mybigtoe.com. It's been a long time since I've been that, there. That'll work, yeah. My okay. Big, mybigtoe.com works just fine. Okay. <laughs> And we've been getting to the heart of what matters, and we'll be back next week. Thanks, Tom. You're welcome. Have a question for Lori and want to be on the next News from the Heart show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. News from the Heart is brought to you by Intuitive Soul and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org. 